0: Thanks for listening to the teaching podcast for People of Hope Church. To learn more about our ministry in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, visit church. And we are actually in... Part 14 today, if you can believe it. We're going to take our time going verse by verse, section by section, through the Sermon on the Mount. And just to remind you what the Sermon on the Mount is, this is the the set of teachings in Matthew 5 and 6 and 7, where Jesus sat down on the hillside overlooking the Sea of Galilee and began teaching those who had already believed in him, already who were bought in, already who had decided to become disciples. And he he began to give them details on how he wants them to live Jesus was kind to us and not leaving us in the dark about how we should handle things that happen in our lives, the good and the bad, the appetites, the attitudes. Jesus was kind and good to us by giving us specific direction on how we are to live. And last Sunday, we jumped into a new section of the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus begins begins to say, I am raising the bar for what is expected of you. We are not religious list keepers who simply sort of try to remain clean on the outside or maintain appearances or go to things just to make uh, make a mark so that other people will see. But we want to be clean and right with God, pleasing to God on the inside. Last week's teaching was, you've heard it said that you shall not murder. And Jesus said that's true. But Jesus says it is actually like murder if you have hatred in your heart for someone else. And if you begin to tear them down with your words, that is a kind of act of murder. So don't think you're clean if you haven't taken a life this week. Have you had hateful anger in your heart this week? Have you used your words to tear someone down this week? Jesus says, that's where I'm raising the bar. And today we're beginning to walk in a new section and it's such an important section at this time in our lives at this time in the world we're actually going to take two Sundays to cover what's in this portion of the scripture. Open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5 verse 27. Matthew 5 27. If you don't have a Bible that's easy to read, we would love to give you one. We want to make sure everybody who wants a Bible has a Bible. So if you don't have one that's easy to read, stop by the information table on your way out. Say, hey, can I have one of the Bibles? And uh, they will hook you up. That'll be yours to keep. Matthew chapter 5, Jesus goes in again in a similar teaching as he did last week about raising the bar. Verse 27, you have heard it was said, you shall not commit adultery. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. Go back to verse 27 with me for a moment. You've heard it said, you shall not commit adultery. And then Jesus says, but I tell you. So Jesus isn't wiping that out. That's the seventh commandment if you're keeping score in the Ten Commandments. Jesus isn't saying, well, that was the old way. Now I'm telling you uh, it's okay to commit adultery. Nope, let's all be clear. Jesus is not saying that. As a matter of fact, Jesus is going to double down and lean in more and more and more on adultery. Don't think you're clean if you haven't slept with somebody you're not married to this week. He's raising the bar. Don't think you're clean if you haven't taken a life this week. Have you had hateful anger in your heart and used your words to tear others down? Don't think you're clean if you haven't slept with someone you're not married to this week. Have you lusted in your heart? Jesus gives this Stark, inescapable, clear definition here of linking lust and adultery. I tell you, verse 28, anyone who looks at a woman, and let's insert man into this, this is not a a male-centered teaching, this is Jesus teaching all of us how to live. So if there's a man who's looking at a woman lustfully, if there's a woman who's looking at a man lustfully, They have already committed adultery with her or with him in their heart. Whoa. And then Jesus gets really clear about the extremes to which you and I should go to guard this in our lives. And he says, if your right eye offends you, if your eye offends you, if it causes you to stumble, then pluck it out. And he's connecting here this idea of if you're lusting after someone that has come through the eyes. If you're lusting after someone, you're responding to what you've seen. And he is saying, that's such a big deal. Listen, Jesus is not asking anybody to gouge their eyes out, literally. He's not asking anybody to hack off a limb, literally. But what he is saying is, is that if you've got a pathway that is giving room for lust to take root in your life, cut that pathway off, shut that down. And then... He goes to the hand. He talks about the action that you're taking with another person. Shut that down. Stop it. Cut it off. This is so deep deep and rich and powerful in an understanding of what lust is and in our sexualized culture and in in the hyper-sexualized culture that we're in right now. We need two weeks to cover this. Next Sunday, we are going to lean in with all that we have to a a real biblical, practical understanding of how do we live with our own sexual desires? How do we live with this flesh? that we're walking around in? How do we handle lust? If you're married, if you're unmarried, that's where we're going next Sunday. So stay tuned for next Sunday. You don't want to miss next Sunday. We're going to get right down into the nitty-gritty of it next Sunday. Today, we're going to spend all of our time really looking at verse 27. You have heard it said, do not commit adultery. We're going to lean in toward those who are married or those who have the potential to wreck or ruin a married relationship. We're going to lean in this morning on the idea of talking about marital faithfulness. And I want to stand here today as a shepherd in the kingdom of God and on behalf of churches and pastors for generations and decades, I want to apologize that we have not talked openly and honestly and biblically about marital fulfillment and physical intimacy. We have not done that well in the church, and therefore we have added shadow and cloud and frustration and fear and assumption and division, and we have left people to fend for themselves, and that's wrong. We need to address, we need to talk about the realities of marital life, The good, bad, and the ugly that goes into all that. So that's where we're going today. We're going to change some of that, and we're going to begin to talk about what it is to be maritally faithful. I want to walk us through a few things here today to understand what that first verse is all about, and we'll understand adultery a little bit more, and why it's a big deal. Almost 99.99% of us in the room would already check the box like, okay, got it. Not committed a good adultery. Yep, I knew that one. I'm good. I'm ready to go. (laughs) I don't necessarily know that we need more. Well, I I believe that Jesus brought this up because it was a big deal. You see, in the ancient Near East, unfortunately, women were not valued like they should be as beautiful, equal creations in the eyes of God. Men and women have different roles and assignments, but women are not less than men. Men are not better than women in the eyes of God. In the marriage structure, there had turned into this system that was skewed and out of balance, and it favored men so much. You would not believe this, but there, there, if a man grew tired of his wife, oh my goodness, can you imagine that man saying that out loud? He's brave, first of all. Second of all, how self-focused, how selfish, how, how unkind and unloving toward his spouse. But if a man grew tired of his wife, he could pursue walking away from her for someone else that he wanted. And they created these rules of divorce, which we'll get to in a couple of weeks. That's where Jesus is going next. They created these rules for divorce that actually facilitated men getting tired of their wives and leaving them for somebody else. Oh, we're going to help you get a divorce so that you can go and be with somebody else that you want to be with. It was a really messed up system. It was really unkind, unfavorable, and I kid you not. Scholars have found evidence that there were divorces granted because a man didn't like the way his wife cooked. Oh man, that's, that's gutsy right there. <laughs> and sad all at the same time. And it's so unfortunate that a beautiful creation of God, a daughter of the Most High God, was cast aside because of a man's desire and suddenly grew tired, suddenly found reasons. To pursue another you see adultery is dark adultery is awful adultery is destructive adultery is much more than just one of those things on the bad list that we already know we should avoid we need to unpack why jesus brought this up and understand it a little bit more So let me give you four things this morning, and uh, I just want to start with this this clear understanding of marriage. The marriage commitment, number one, the marriage commitment is a covenant between one man and one woman. The marriage commitment is a covenant between one man and one woman, and there's a way that I like to illustrate this, and I've asked Justin and Marcia Smith to come up and, and help me this morning. Can you welcome Justin and Marcia this morning? They're being really brave and kind, and... Trusting uh, in their pastor. Come on up, guys. If you would turn and face each other uh, like you like each other, okay. Um, this this hula hoop is going to come around. I'm going to let you guys hold that right there. Um, oh, sweet, holding it for her. What a good husband Justin is. Way to go, man. Um, I, this hula hoop represents the covenant. So I'm going to grab the hula hoop for a second. And um, you know, they weren't married, and then at some point they put on nice clothes and gave rings to each other and had cake. And when they did so, they entered into a covenant. And at that point, it becomes this this environment, this area, this arrangement, this relationship of safety. It becomes this relationship of safety that says, for better or for worse, I am with you. For better or for worse, I'm not going anywhere. I am in this with you. And you are free. To be flawed, because all of us are flawed. Hello? If you're married, you're married to a flawed person. Your spouse is married to a flawed person. You are free to be flawed. I'm not going anywhere. I wanna grow old with you, and you are free to grow old. I'm not going anywhere. It's a covenant of safety. And we will be together. We will be one. And we will go through life's highs and life's low together. And in this, you need to know that, that I've got you and you've got me. And it is this beautiful promise-based commitment to each other. They stay together because it's the right thing to do. They stay together because they said they would. They stay together because the other one is depending on them to keep walking with them together in this covenant. But it is a commitment, a covenant. And through this marriage, thanks guys, I'll let y'all have a seat here. Thanks. We're gonna get a little more nitty gritty and I didn't want y'all standing up here for, uh, for that part. Understand this, through marriage, God has provided a person for you to know intimately. A person with whom you give and receive physical, intimate affection. When you stepped into the hula hoop and entered into a covenant with that other person, that became your person. That became became the person that God gave you so that you could fully know them and they could fully know you. That became your person with whom you could exchange, give physical affection, and receive physical affection. This is your person. You have physical needs? Great. God gave you a person inside the covenant of marriage. You got desires? Yep, you do. From God. They're not evil, dirty, or bad. They are hardwired in your life from God. You enter in the covenant, God gave you a person. God gave you a person. It is his provision. It is his kindness. And I want to say to those of you who are not married today, aspire if you have desires. Aspire that you could enter into that covenant and have that safe committed, promise-based relationship without fear to grow old. And if your body changes, they're not going anywhere. And if a younger model walks by, that person is committed to you, not your body parts. They're committed to you whether you're 24 or 84. They're not committed to your body parts for how they looked at 24 versus how they looked at 84. Aspire if you're not married, aspire to a relationship where God provides your person. And if you're thinking, man, I I, I really have these desires and I really have these these needs, and yes, you do. Well, great. God created a place where it is right and good and safe to be flawed, messy, awkward, different, changing. Anyone else think that's beautiful? So that I will not evaluate my spouse. I will just stay loving my spouse. If you're not married, aspire to that. God has created this environment with whom you can give and receive physical intimate affection. And we need to understand that marriage is so much more than sex. But without physical intimacy, it is unhealthy. If you sign on to get marriage, you sign on for physical intimacy. And if that's not part of the equation in your mind, then that needs to be reevaluated for if you're ready to be married, because being one and one flesh is part of the deal. It's part of the opportunity where God says, I am putting you in a hula hoop with another person, and you're their person. You're their person. They have hardwired from God needs. They have hardwired from God desires. You're their person where they get to give and receive in that way. You're their person and they're yours. Marriage is so much more than sex, but without physical intimacy, it is unhealthy. And I love the fact that we get to say this out loud today. This is so important that each of us who are married embrace this thought. And if you're not married, that you embrace this as a standard for for marital living. Your body has been provided for your spouse's needs and desires. And And their body has been provided for your needs and desires. All of this is so important. It's the foundation of marriage because it speaks to how adultery could even happen. Your body has been provided in the covenant of marriage for your spouse's needs and desires. So engage them in that way. and their body has been provided for your needs and desires within the covenant of marriage. The marriage commitment, this covenant between one man and one woman, this safe, secure provision, enjoyment, delight that needs to be a part of it. Deep gratitude to God for providing Second thing I want us to hear this morning is about adultery specifically. Adultery, number two, violates the marriage commitment by seeking physical physical intimacy with a person outside of the covenant. So you're in the hula hoop with your person and they're in the hula hoop with you and adultery is when you seek physical intimacy with a person outside of the covenant, outside of the hula hoop. That's as plain and as clear as I can be about adultery because what happens is you're in there and you find that you're looking for an exit. So as you move toward adultery, you need to never think you stumbled into it or fell into it or it just happened. There is a leaving before there is an adultery moment. There is a disconnect before there is an adultery moment. There is a look for excuse. There is a look for rationalization. There is a look for a reason why you should be let out of the covenant promise. And far too often, women or men walk away from their promises and their covenant because while they have a person, they see another person that they think they like better. And when that happens, choosing to be sexual with another person because you like that body better than the one that God has provided for you, several things happen. When you choose to be sexual with another person because you decide you like that body outside the hula hoop better than the body that God has provided for you in the hula hoop. When that happens, several things uh, are, are ramifications and results and consequences. First of all, it breaks promises. It breaks promises. It's an oath-breaking moment. It's a covenant-breaking moment. It's a saying, you thought you were safe, but you're no longer safe. Because secondly, it also breaks hearts. It breaks hearts. You're casting me aside for a younger model. You're you're leaving me for them. You're you're giving yourself in that way. You're becoming one flesh with them. It is a crushing, heartbreaking thing because when you cheat, (laughs) you communicate something to your spouse. We're getting Eyes on what adultery is all about. It's not just a moment of weakness. It is a moment of communicating to the one you are in a covenant with. And it's a terrible statement of I don't like you as much as I like them. I find you lacking. It's a crushing statement by your actions. It breaks promises, it breaks hearts. We have to understand that adultery isn't romantic. I don't like the word affair. It's not a romantic rendezvous. It is a moment of cheating and unfaithfulness. It is a moment of stepping out of the covenant. It is a moment of abandoning the one you promised yourself to. It is a moment of lying to that other person. It's not a fling. Something else that happens when you choose to be sexual with another person because you like that person and their body better than the person God's provided for you, what happens is you reduce people to a set of body parts. You reduce people to a set of body parts. You start looking around and you go, man, that person has some amazing elbows. I mean, I mean, yeah, the person in my hula hoop has elbows. But they don't look anything like those elbows. Whoa. And all of a sudden, you're not looking at a man or a woman as a child of God, a creation of God, a whole person, heart, mind, body, soul. You're looking at body parts. And then worse than that, you've reduced them down to an evaluation of their body parts. My person has elbows, but now I'm evaluating and judging my person's elbows. And I'm looking at those elbows. And now my person and in my interaction with my person is reduced to body parts, not partnership. Partnership. Friends, marriage is so much more than sex. Marriage is this life together thing, amen? It is this partnering through, through all the things that God will give you, the great years, the hard years, the times with kids or not with kids, the time that you, you celebrate, the times when you grieve, the times when you start a new job, the time when you lose a job, the time when tragedy strikes, the time when you just laugh so hard that, that whatever you were drinking came out of your nose. It is this life together, joy-filled, partnership. They're your confidant. They're the one that listens to you. They're the one that supports you and encourages you. They're the one who's still there when everything falls apart. And the beauty and the power of the covenant of marriage is is that one flesh physical intimacy is amazing, but it is only one small part of the covenant commitment. And we cannot allow ourselves to begin to reduce people to body parts. This is where we're going to land next Sunday, big way. Lust lives in that world. (coughs) When you choose to be sexual with some other person because you don't like your person as much anymore, be careful because you can reduce people to a set of body parts. And you married a whole person. And they do not exist to gratify or satisfy your sense, your sense of what body parts could be or should be. You married a whole person, not their parts. A couple more things that can happen when you commit adultery. You declare your desires more important than faithfulness to your spouse sometimes when people step outside of their covenant relationship when they wiggle their way out of the hula hoop to go and engage somebody else there they have these thoughts that that i wanted it i needed it it was natural i was just following what what god put in me nope You're in this covenant relationship and God's given you a person for your needs and for your desires. That's the place where this is safe and right and blessed and good. Don't elevate your desires above faithfulness. You know, it sounds kind of corny and old-fashioned, but at the core of marriage is this concept of honor. You're not with your spouse all day long, but you walk in trust that they're going to honor the promises they made. You're not with them every day, all day long, but you live in this honor and trust. This, my spouse is not with me, but they don't have to be with me. They need to know I'm going to keep my promises. I'm going to stay true. I'm not going to stray. I'm not going to go and give myself to someone else. I'm not going to get involved in a relationship in that way because I said I wouldn't. And that matters because God made this thing and this person that's in this covenant with me, they're counting on me so that they're safe to grow old and safe for their elbows to change and safe for them to have bad days. Because the promise that was made to them was not based on appearance. Well, that was a factor. Attraction and appearance, they matter. But there was a commitment of their whole life to your whole life. So, number one, the marriage commitment is a covenant. I'm sorry, there's one more there that that gets broken in adultery. The last one is, it rejects God's faithful provision of a spouse. It's just flat out ungrateful. God has given you a person. When you choose to be sexual with someone outside of that covenant commitment, you are rejecting what God has provided And you're saying, I think I know better. Or you're being really ungrateful to God. The marriage commitment is a covenant between one man and one woman. Number two, adultery violates the marriage commitment by seeking physical intimacy with a person outside of that covenant. And number three, if you are married, be on your guard against emotional adultery. Be on your guard against emotional adultery. Almost always, physical compromise began as emotional connection and relational fantasy. Almost always. Before there was physical compromise it began as an emotional connection and relational fantasy. You begin to think about them more than you're thinking about your spouse. You begin to think, I can't wait to talk to them about this instead of my spouse. You begin to fantasize about what it would be like to go home to them at the end of the day. And you wish your spouse was more like them. And you, be, you begin to say, man, I wish my spouse would listen like they listen, or laugh like they laugh, or treat me like they treat you. Those are the warning signs that you are tiptoeing your way towards in an emotional affair, where you are beginning to, on the inside, before bodies ever get involved, before a kiss ever happens, there are these mental and emotional connections that are made. Be on your guard. It is quite possible that in this very room right now, there's couple of people, a few people who have a relationship at work that has crossed over the bounds of safe and healthy emotional detachments. It is quite possible that some of us in the room have harbored this thought recently. I wish my spouse were more like this person I'm around all the time. Be on your guard. Because the enemy is crafty, amen? And he will take meaningful moments and laughter and connected stories and shared experiences and he will twist those. and it gets dark in a hurry. Be on your guard against emotional adultery. And then number four, the last one here. Fulfill your spouse's reasonable needs and desires for physical intimacy. If you want to avoid adultery, if you want to, to give your marriage opportunity to thrive, if you want to fortify your marriage, if you want to, to live faithfully inside of this covenant, then be intentional and fulfill your spouse's reasonable needs and desires for physical intimacy. Don't forget, you are God's provision for their sexual joy. You are their person. You are God's provision for their sexual joy. Oh my goodness, he said the word sex. How in the world are we talking about sex at church? We're talking about it because families are in crisis and sex has taken over in our world and we need to uphold the beautiful, God-given, God-invented joy in a happy marriage. Joy! See yourself as God's answer to their longings. See yourself as God's provision for their needs and desires. Fulfill your spouse's reasonable needs and desires. What is reasonable needs? You guys work that out. Through communication. And then here's the thing I want to say about this. Don't simply acquiesce to marital duty. Satisfy their needs with creativity, enthusiasm, excellence, and generosity. Don't just say I'm going to do what I'm obligated to do because I'm in the hula hoop. Think about them. Talk to them. Discover their preferences. Discover their needs and desires. And satisfy those needs with creativity, enthusiasm, excellence, and generosity. It is quite possible to go to uh, a restaurant here in this town for lunch today. And there on the menu, you could find um, a simple plate that's going to taste good. And it's going to be a a piece of grilled chicken and a side of broccoli. And it's going to be sustaining. It's there. Or you could go to a restaurant and you could open the menu and it says, you are about to enjoy the tenderized, and carefully prepared piece of a chicken that was raised on a farm in the Netherlands. <laughs> and every Thursday it was given iced coffee, <laughs> and stories were read to it from the books of Dr. Seuss. It has been glazed in a production of brown butter sauce that was simmered for 18 days. And the Himalayan mountains were scoured for a powder of spice and another spice and another spice. Get ready. Char-grilled to perfection. And that's not even the side dish. <coughs> Approach being your spouse's person with creative, intentional, generous. A heart of serving them. That chef who put together that restaurant menu wants you to come and delight. Think and plan and strategize and approach your spouse for their delight. So that all of life pertains to the glory of God, amen? Hello? So that in your hula hoop, in a moment of physical intimacy, a one flesh moment with your spouse, facilitate their delight so that they say, glory to God for marriage, Glory to God for my person. You did not leave me alone with my desires, oh God. And I am privileged to be a part of covering my spouse's needs today. I want to be for their joy, to your glory. So what do you do now after this reminder about adultery and marital joy because adultery isn't just keeping your hands to yourself the opposite of adultery isn't just keeping your hands to yourself the opposite of adultery is marital joy so what do you do now ask your spouse about their needs and desires and preferences i could feel you squirming right there ask your spouse about their needs and preferences and desires here's the deal. Don't just assume. Don't just wait for them to bring it up. Don't torture them in that way. Ask them. You may need to do it in the car where you're not making eye contact with each other. But even better, over a meal somewhere. Hey, I'd like to do what Pastor Kyle said, and I'd like for us to build on our marriage a little bit and a fair proof our marriage a little bit i want to i want to hear about your desires and preferences and needs because i'd like to build them in you because i'm your person and i take that seriously and i want it to be easy for you to be faithful to me Talk to your spouse and ask them. Communication is critical. It's going to avoid assumption, resentment, and dissatisfaction. And in this room, I bet you a whole lot of money, there's some resentment about desires that are mismatched. There's some resentment and dissatisfaction. And that's the breeding ground for lust to take over. Toward adultery. Don't rule out a Christian marriage counselor to help you meet in the middle if you need it. Get some help. God has gifted and equipped people in our city to sit down with you and help you talk to each other and meet in the middle on this topic. Because this is complicated. And some of you have issues that are small and some of you have issues that are small but you have 10 or 12 issues in this area. And you can use some assistance. Cut off any relationship that is moving toward an emotional affair. Jesus was extreme in this. Don't spare their feelings. Preserve your marriage. I'm so worried about what they will think. I'm so worried about how they'll take it. Or they'll just think, who cares? And I mean that in all the love your enemies, love your neighbor kind of way. If you have the beginnings of an emotional affair, Satan's coming after you. You don't need to play nice in this moment. You need to gouge it out, cut it off. Cold. Shut it down. Change where you sit. Change where you eat your lunch. Change which treadmill you're on at the gym. Change. Take the the step. and then move toward your spouse's desires and needs. When you move toward them, this will pour water on the fire of lust and it will help your spouse to never leave home hungry. And then finally, lastly, the big deal for this, this teaching on adultery, I am calling you and challenging you to thank God for your spouse and thank your spouse personally. Eye to eye, thank them for being so much more than a physical partner. If you're not married, let this morning be a morning of vision for what your marital joy could be like your faithfulness, your happiness as God provides a person for you and as you are the person for someone else. And if you are married, receive this as your church loving you and cheering you on in your marital life that you would not just survive to your 50th wedding anniversary, but that you would thrive in delight and joy in what God has provided.